You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hello, Michael. Andre! It's, you know what? I can actually Friday. see your face this time. We're, <laughs> we're, we're doing this over Zoom, and we actually put on some, uh, some clothes, first of all, and, uh, um, and some uh, uh, video. <laughs> we do have video here. Um, yeah. I'm and- glad you're dressed for this one. The last time we tried video, it was in the middle of summer, and you weren't wearing a shirt. Uh, that's actually true. Um, yeah, but scared I mean, the hell out of me. There, there is the work at home uniform, right? Where you know people could be wearing pajama pants below the waist. It's, I thought you were wearing a sweater. Uh, it's it's a track jacket. It's one of my sisters. Oh, I, I, I meant in the summertime. Oh. Sweater? <laughs> uh, okay, I get you. You're, you're saying I'm hairy. Okay, good job, Michael. Um, happy International Women's Day, by the way. Yes. Uh, thrilled actually to uh not just be talking to you although your long hair may qualify you these days um but we do have a winemaker from ja- uh, kendall jackson i was going to say jackson Triggers, but that's not right uh kendall jackson uh susan luker uh who is you know what why don't i just have susan introduce herself susan uh introduce yourself tell us who you are what you do the whole nine yards oh okay i am um the Bordeaux winemaker for Kendall Jackson. So that means I get to uh, do all the Cabernet, Merlot, Bordeaux blend wines for the KJ label. I also am part of the uh, Bordeaux team. So we work with other Jackson family wineries. So that includes Matanzas Creek, Verite, not so much, but we keep trying (laughs) to work more with Verite. Capture, Murphy Good, uh, Fremark Abbey, Stone Street, a little bit um, um, with Gallery Cardinal. Really, I really like Stone Street stuff as well. I have to. I have to be honest. And so. we were before we started recording. We were talking about Chardonnay a little bit, and they have some beautiful Chardonnays. Oh, yes, wait. they they do too. Yes. Yeah. No, you haven't cursed. Now we are. We are past. <laughs> Thankfully, they uh, uh, the it's Chardonnay now, swear so jar. We can say Chardonnay. Yeah, you can say Chardonnay all you want now. So it was uh, uh, it was our New Year's resolution to clean up our clean up our language and uh, just <laughs> raise the discourse. Which I mean, with Michael, can be a bit of a challenge sometimes, but uh, not always. So that's Susan, and we are also joined by, and we so rarely get one of these. Andre, I am so thrilled to have a chef on the show. Tracy and I really don't want to say the uh, the last name wrong. Chepos, <laughs> Shepos Chinami. Okay, well, thank God I didn't have to say it at all. Uh, Tracy, tell us what you do uh, as part of the uh, the KJ group. I'm the um, one of the executive chefs for Jackson Family Wines. Anything else you want to tell us? I, Look, also, I heard you were on Guys Grocery Games. You got a, you oh, you got some chops, lady. You know you know all my you know all my secrets. Um, I'm also very proudly the cheese expert for the company, cheese specialist. So I um, focus on cheese and wine pairings. Yes, I have been fortunate enough to be on Guy's Grocery Games numerous times. I've even won a few times. Um, I was on Beat Bobby Flay. I did not beat him, although I should have. Nobody beats Bobby Flay for some reason. Like nobody. Like you see, I look at these people and they tasting them. And I'm like, for sure, she's won for sure. And he wins. And I go, F him. I like his coleslaw recipe. 
he's fun. I mean, it was, I, listen, they were all really fun, a very good time, but yeah, I mean, I need to go back. I keep on, on trying to contact them for a rematch. Bobby Flay, if you're out there listening, I want a rematch. Oh man, I, <laughs> I, I hope Bobby Flay's listening to this. With the Food Network though. That's <laughs> my, my understanding is that he left the Food Network unless he, unless he finally signed that contract. But. I don't know. I don't know. I, my I, husband I would, just had dinner with him last night. Well, not with him, but he was at the table next door. They were my husband's traveling in New York City, and he <gasps> oh. was like so excited about Bobby Flay being. And I said, "Who's Bobby Flay?" Oh, oh, and Tracy and Tracy just covers her mouth with, "Oh my God!" No, I mean, you know what? I actually like that. I like that not everybody knows who he is. I don't think his ego needs it. I don't no. think his ego needs more people knowing who he is. As I, I don't think. Say, but. I don't think and Bobby. If you're listening now, now you're not. Tracy's not invited back on. Well, you know what? I but I say it about myself too. Chefs yeah. have a certain amount of ego. That's you it. Kind of have to. I'm I'm married to a pastry chef. I I don't think any chef uh, needs anything to fan their <laughs> fan their egos. If anything, they need they need the other side of that. Uh, I guess before we get into it, Tracy said you're a cheese expert. What's your favorite cheese? Depends on the day. Depends on what I'm drinking. Oh my god, you sound like a you sound like a wine person too. It's true though, but I I really am partial to like really rich, creamy, like triple creams, like and stinky, like applause. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so uh, we're we're recording this uh, a few days before, but uh, it is going out exactly on uh, International Women's Day, isn't it, Andre? It's the, it is. It's the the day. I think the month has something to do with it too. It is, but um, uh, it is the day. And so we wanted to talk to you two ladies. I can say ladies. Is that okay? I don't. I'm never sure how to. You know, if, if there's I anyone, even, I even go by a girl. <laughs> girl. Yeah. Chick probably I'll, doesn't work, right? I'm just checking. I'll answer that. to any of it. Okay. Oh all right. God. Just checking. If so, there's anyone Andre, who's going to get us canceled, uh, it's going to be Michael. <laughs> so, um, Andre, I think you had one of the first questions that you wanted to uh, to to throw out, and it was a complicated one. And then I guess it's thrown out to both of you. We like to start complicated. Well, did we want to start in with the questions? Did we want, did we want to talk about the wine first? Sorry. Okay. Let's make sure we end on a, and before we got to the potatoes, um, we should have, uh, have the entree first. So we've got the, um, 2019 Kendall Jackson Vintners Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. And we'll talk, I guess we'll, we'll put that one over to Susan, uh, because she made it. Yeah, this is mine start to finish. I actually um, just started with Kendall Jackson in July of 19. So um, I got to blend the 18s, and then this one is all mine. A little scary, but fun. <laughs> what makes it What makes it scary, though? Uh, you know, it's a lot of parts coming together and a lot of, um, you know, we want to do a good job. You know, you want to perform well. Uh, so, and it's new, you know, it's new vineyards and it's new wineries and just making sure that everything comes together the way you want. And then when it does, you're like, oh, I got this. So I, I I've like only to, been I doing like it for 30 is it 100% years. 100% you know? Cabernet Sauvignon or is it, um, you, did you blend other stuff into this? It's a blend. It's 85% Cab. Okay. And then what What else do you throw in there for? Uh... Let's, let's do math. <laughs> okay. 7% Cabernet Franc. I think 4% Merlot. So that's, I have four 11. more percent, uh, two and two uh, Malbec and Petit Verdot. I should look at my notes. It's, it's very <laughs> close to, to what I have in front of me. Pretty close. Which I have. So <laughs> I, I actually have the text sheet in front of me. 85 Cab, so 5% Franc, 4% Merlot, 3% Malbec, 3% Petit Verdot. 
I'm, I'm always a little bit, I, I guess this is a little bit an out of left field question since we're just talking about the wine is just when you make that, that assemblage, because when you're dealing with small portions of other varieties, like something like Cabernet Franc really does impact the flavor of the wine. Like I've had a chance to taste some wines in Saint-Emilion that are 2% or 3% Cabernet Franc. Yeah. In California, why don't you guys label the assemblage on that? Like, why is it so important that it's marketed as Cab Sauve? Oh, well, I think it's just tradition more than anything. And then it also gives us freedom to blend so that our vintages, we have consistency vintage to vintage. And then if you have like some years are like, it's a great Merlot year. So you want to up your Merlot and your Cabernet or some years your tannins are too big in your cab. So you really want to like, maybe it can't take 2% Petit Verdot. So you'll just hold it to one. And it's like, we play and play and play where we like, Oh, two barrels, three barrels. So I think I mean, so. That's you just told me to off my low, but that's another story. <laughs> What's wrong with your Merlot? <laughs> my Merlot, she said. Not very nice. But I call it mine. <laughs> Everything's mine. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go over to Tracy for a quick second, and um, I, I will ask the question that probably Andre, as a Chardonnay lover, should be asking. As a chef. Are you a big fan of Chardonnay, or would you prefer to try and pair stuff with better wine? <laughs> oh, shut up, Michael. Oh, well, you know, Chardonnay's our bread and butter. So there's in our world, there's really very few better wines. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't discriminate. I don't discriminate that way, truthfully, um, because as a chef, it's what what we do for Jackson family and our culinary team is we always start with the wine, which is different than other chef perspective is it other chefs they just create a good dish and i shouldn't say just but their their focus is i'm going to create a good dish i hone in on that dish i tweak it i manipulate it and then i pass it off to someone and they find wine to go with it what we do here at at jackson family is completely different we always start with the wine so it's more about what wants what needs to be featured in the meal that we're um and that varies right that that differs i mean you have a bottle of La Crema and a bottle of KJ with you today. And that's just two of our 50 some odd wineries. And so depending on what we want to feature and that that's what guides what I cook and what my team cooks. Um, that combined with seasonality, because that's very much what we do in, in our area of California. Right. You know, I'm, I'm pointing because my, you know, I'm in the kitchen office and the, and right 10 feet outside the back door of the kitchen, we've got three acres of the most beautiful culinary gardens you'll ever see. And so we always start with the wine first and then seasonality and the garden second. Um, so it's not necessarily about my preference or it's about what, you know, what we want to cook or I, for who, you know, what we want to cook to pair with the wine. And that's not really, it's not limiting. It's, um, it, you know, it, it's narrowing. Like it, it, you know, obviously I'm not going to cook the same thing for Chardonnay as I would for Cabernet. Um, but that it's not limiting at all. So it's it's actually kind of fun and it's a it's a really great challenge. I, I do love that that philosophy because I think it is actually a big problem with the culinary scene. Um I don't know what it's what it's like in California or New York or anywhere else, but in Toronto, we have so many chefs who lack the fundaments of wine knowledge and need to lean on sommeliers, but you still end up with the with I think what is the greater challenge of having a chef prepare a really great dish and then find the right wine to match it. And I mean, 
flavor flavor profiles are flavor pro- and there's certain kind of rules of thumb wine and food pairings and if you go back to one of our older episodes of the podcast i've talked about how in, in my opinion like a lot of wine and food pairings are, are kind of garbage in the first in the first place but when you're working backwards from the wine you do get that better marriage um i, I just want to i want to poke a little bit harder because michael mentioned specifically chardonnay and i love chardonnay um I, I have my own Instagram account called Captain Chardonnay, where I don't discriminate. I like warm climate. I like cool climate. I like it when it's seen some oak. I don't mind a Chablis once in a while, but generally I like it in the barrels. But I know for me, if I go back and take a look at a lot of my tasting notes, I find Chardonnay really, really hard to pair food with uh, because a lot of those classic pairings are cheese, butter, and like really big, heavy meals. And once those June and July months roll around, like, you know, I'm doing a lot more grilled chicken. Um, I, I'm doing lighter things off of the off of the grill as opposed to heavier, fattier things out of a frying pan or out of the out of the oven. Do you have like a strategy, or is there, what are some recommendations you can give to the Chardonnay lovers? And Michael, there are a lot of them that listen to this podcast that love Chardonnay. That you could give. I know us. I've already tuned you out, though, Andre. So. Okay, that's fine. Um, but that can um, like, can you give give me kind of just a general strategy on how you deal with like a full bodied buttery Chardonnay when crafting a meal that doesn't require a pound of butter? Sure. I mean, and and you're right. Like, I agree with you the same way. In the in the summer, in the lighter months, I'm eating lighter foods. In the colder months, I'm eating heavier foods, and that and that makes sense. It's what we crave. Um, you know, the philosophy is it all about balance. And I think that's probably, I think Susan would say the same thing about the winemaking, right? You want to find balance in the bottle. And mm-hmm. as a chef, I want to find balance as well. So even if I'm pairing, you know, creating a dish around a really rich, buttery, oaky Chardonnay, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's going to need some fat. But if I do everything, if I make everything what I call in the same lane, so if I, you know, if it's a rich, buttery Chardonnay and I'm giving you, you know, lobster with butter sauce and it's going to taste good, but it's also going to be a bit one dimensional because it's kind of rich upon rich upon rich. So that's where that balance comes in where maybe it's, you know, maybe the lobster, it's the same components, but balanced in a different way. So maybe it's lobster that is not poached in butter. You know, maybe it's a cold lobster salad that has, you know, something with butter, but there's acidity like preserved lemon in that butter. So it creates some balance and maybe then there's other texture, some fresh ingredients. So, um, so you're not getting this really heavy, decadent, you know, everything kind of same one dimensional on your palate. So I would say that's the philosophy is really creating balance and, um, and, and trying to really look at what you're feeling and tasting on your palate and in the wine that it's not normally just one thing. Like I tend to break it down into three parts, beginning, middle and end. And they're all three very different. So if I feel acidity on the finish, but richness on the front, well, those are two things I can play with. All right, I think she's done. Well, she was talking like Chardonnay, that. right? So I, I kind of tuned out a little bit. So, but I have, I have a question for both of you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to Susan for, for a quick one, and then uh, over to, uh, to Tracy. Um, Susan, favorite grape to work with? Mm. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I was uh, earlier today. It was Chardonnay, but I think since it's later in the day now, it's Zinfandel. that's not a word over idle no so interesting and tracy same now back to you you know favorite grape to work with when you're when you're dealing with a i I understand you start with uh the wine first but if somebody says hey tracy we're giving you this today you're like woohoo super jazzed about that Mm -hmm. one over any other grape i really love sauvignon blanc from where from where from where oh 
I, I mean, there, and here's, again, I don't discriminate. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll take a good, good old, you know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, I really do. I like all the different Sauvignon Blancs, but I just personally love, I love acidity on my palate. I love what it does. Like on the, you know, when I eat and drink stuff that brings that like right on the side of your palate texture and create, you know, craves more and a little bit of pucker. I, I love that. So, and, and Sauvignon Blanc tends to want kind of lighter, like ceviche or those kinds of styles foods, which I love cooking and eating fresh, you know, real vibrant, bright. I, I love that. I, Go, even I think even going back to our podcast where I did kind of crap on a lot of wine and food pairings, I think even like pretty much anything from the ocean and Sauvignon Blanc from anywhere is really hard to mess up. It's when you get that that saltiness from the sea to go with that searing acid and the citrus notes, it's always just quite mm-hmm. good. Um, I guess stepping off that, wait, Michael, did you have another question before we move on to the heavier stuff, or do we want to talk about the a tasting note oh, on I, this I, wine? I think I think we've we've covered it. We've we've covered the wine. We've covered uh, Chardonnay. Hopefully for the last time in this podcast. And um, uh, I, I just it's I guess it's time to get into the the parts about International Women's Day. And, uh, and so uh, I think for a lot of people the, who don't know, like International Women's Day, like it's a it it is a thing. Um, <laughs> But I mean, it's an event that's that's. Uh, it wasn't it, a thing for a while, but it's now a thing. Well, the United Nations come out with a, a statement every year. I mean, it's it's organized by some other people, and there's actually the theme from the United Nations this year is gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. And I think it's really great that we have two professionals who have been in the hospitality industry for a very long time. Um, and I know uh, I had a, I had a chance to let uh susan know ahead of time like michael and i have, have spent a lot of time talking about this uh we have a pretty well-developed wine industry in ontario and we had one of our well-known wineries have their own me too moment i don't want us to unpack that or, or or mention that again but it's just something that has been very important to michael and i to keep our eyes open to what's happening and make sure that things are going on so um I know that the wine industry and being in kitchens can be completely different different things. Um, I, I actually not even sure where to where to start with the questions, but I guess maybe we'll go to Tracy. You work in kitchens, um, and uh, I, I think if anyone wants to read about what the atmosphere in kitchens were like, Anthony Bourdain's book Kitchen Confidential is a great place to start. I discovered his annotated version of that book last year, which is really eye opening and including a mea culpa. But Tracy. Um, what like what is it like in kitchens now and do you think that things have moved over the course of your career in terms of where you started for women um things have definitely changed for the better um i mean being a chef was has kind of always been known as a man's game it was you know and so um you know getting in getting started in the restaurant business I never really thought of it as an obstacle, but I certainly for a very long time was the only female person in the kitchen, on the kitchen crew, right? The, the ladies were always the servers or, you know, maybe a dishwasher, um, but never really kind of the one in the trenches or maybe pastry. Um, that was, you know, traditionally uh, um, more of, of a woman's area in the kitchen. And so I, I was really fortunate to, um, to come up, Yes, at a time where things were just starting to change. So that was nice. But um, but I, I've always, I, I played sports. I've always just kind of integrated myself into team-oriented things anyway. And that's just the way I always looked at it was it wasn't that I was different or a different gender. I just wanted to be on the team. 
And I knew to be on any team, you have to pull your weight. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or what you are. You have to pull your weight. You have to, you know, make yourself known as a, as a player to be on the starting team. And I always wanted to be on the starting team. Um, and so I think that really allowed me to be successful. Um, I had lots of great support along the way as well from my family to chef mentors, two of them in particular, and both of them were men and neither of them ever made me feel different because I was a woman. You know, there were other people that made me feel outcasted because I was a woman. I just didn't let that bring me down to a point that it discouraged me from my career. Um, there's, I mean, it's so different now. I think one, the difference is just the awareness, the, the awareness around it. And the fact that not just within the industry, but within around the world, this is something people are talking about. This is something that's important. And I think that makes a really big impact. Um, as far as the kitchen I'm currently in, there's more women than men in our kitchen right now, which is, you know, I mean, I don't want it. I don't want the tables to turn so strongly one way that then that's all we talk about. Um, but it's definitely worth acknowledging that it's really cool, you know, and, and I will say the energy is different. It's a different vibe, not, not, it's not bad or good or it's not, but it's a definitely a different vibe when, um, when it's mostly women in the kitchen, um, which is kind of fun to be able to live, to be able to see and feel that experience. At, at what point do you think things, uh, well, d- d- is it easier now to hire women? Like, are there more women that are, that are joining the game now that the culture is starting to change? Yeah. I mean, I just think there's more women to choose from in the industry. And so it's, it's, you know, and again, we're not, I, you know, I don't look at, at, at a piece of paper or a resume and, and, and decide based on that, but just the amount of people that apply are just naturally, there's more women to choose from, which is again, nice to see. It's certainly not as, I mean, I think I'm still in an uncommon situation here that there's more women than men in the kitchen. I don't think that's the norm and especially in leadership and, um, and, and boss roles. I mean, you still tend to see a lot less women, but I think that that's changing. And as long as we continue to push for that to change, then at some point it will become more of an equal playing ground. When you say the vibe is, is different in the, in the kitchen. um, And and if you don't have like a specific answer that like that, that's fine. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Like what, what do you mean by that? Like, is it, is it a safer space? Is it just like, or is it, or is it, or is it even just like a, a different vibe in how you you clown around with each other? Because I mean, when you work in a kitchen, it's a very intimate working space and often yeah. long hours, right? Yeah, I mean, and I think it's it's not it's not a safer it's not safer or less safe that that's definitely not it. And you're right, I can't. I I mean, I'm struggling to like pinpoint a very direct, but I like the way you put it that it's just you know just the way just the interaction is a little bit different um, and. Yeah, it just it just has a different feel. And maybe that feel is different because we can sit around and acknowledge it, right? Because we can look around and see that there's a difference. But outside of that, I mean, again, it's not like it's better. I mean, I, you know, I, I love it when there's an, I like it when there's a good mix of everybody, right? Different ages, different. I mean, that just keeps things really interesting. Um, but it is kind of funny, like the conversations tend to be different when it's all the women in the kitchen. We'll talk about our kids more. Well, you know, like, you know, the, the conversations, the chatting tends to be a little bit different. And in some ways it's really nice because it's a different level of relatability to the people you're working with. And to your point, we spend a lot of time in the kitchen. We spend a lot of time at work and when you can relate on different levels, you have a deeper connection with the people around you and hopefully, you know, a, a better relationship in general. 
I I I do. Um, I, I do love the fact ju- you're, you. I know. You, I, you, I know. I you. sent you a message to pass it on, but it's just I want to add. Like I, like I do love the fact that you're kind of very delicately, like not del- not even delicately. You're 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 just you're making it very clear that you're talking about equity and not like you don't want the pendulum to swing too far the other way. Which no, I mean, uh, yeah. I just I I, I appreciate that part of the the discourse. So, uh, yeah. you can tell. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like it needs to. That that would be unfair too. I'm not looking for it to just be completely fair one way. <laughs> yeah, you can tell Andre's wife is a is a chef. She's a pastry chef, so he's very interested in your your side of it, Tracy. And um, I am a I'm a wine critic. I'm a wine drinker. Like, let's be honest. Uh, over the pandemic, uh, I have a, a 2600 bottle wine cellar, and I, I just looked at my numbers and and. I, I'm down 700 bottles, Andre. Like I, I, I drank through the pandemic, so I just. So, um, Susan, you're you're in you're in my wheelhouse. So, I guess the the same question goes to you. How have you seen things change from when you got into where you are now? Well, yeah. When I first started, I was the only woman on the winemaking team. Or in the cellar, because I always like to work in the cellar as well. And um, I never had an issue with that being the only woman. I have two older brothers, so I'm used to being with the boys. Um, and, yeah, I never had any issues. And I had great role models, male winemakers, that just said, you know what? Like, if anybody's giving you a hard time, you don't have to take it. And if you're doing anything, you're probably doing it smarter and safer. So I always appreciated that. That, And I would give, I would be the first one there and the last one to leave. So um, talking about earning it, but that was not because I was a woman. It was just in my nature. Like if there's something that needs to be done, like you're, Tracy's going to be doing the dishes and she's going to be doing everything that needs to be done. Um but now there's a lot more, I'm surrounded by a lot more women. And I think that's, I don't know who opened the door. I know Zelma Long was one of the first female winemakers. Um, I appreciate her for just her knowledge and her commitment to quality. Um, but I never said, like, I want to be like Zelma. <laughs> is, there, is there a group in, in California like there is in say Italy where it's like the women of wine. Cause there's the, there's the Donna de, de, de femme. I believe I, I can't remember exactly what the group is called, but yeah. there is a, uh, a, a group in Italy where it's all the women winemakers and they get together and they, they talk about what it's like to be a woman in the industry and they have their events and things like that. Is there a similar thing in, in California? Yeah, we have women of, um, Women of Wine and Spirits um, is fairly new. Well, I think it's probably like nine years in now. Um, And that was just somebody's dream, you know, that they put together and they wanted to support women. And they have uh, webinars where women can learn from other women winemakers and other women vineyard managers um, just about their stories. And it's good. It's a good support organization um you know and i think that's the other thing that we try to support anybody that we're bringing up so i mean i have some 
young women that if they have questions, I'm there for them pretty much 24 seven, um, whether it's technical or personal or whatever they need. So I think there, I mean, there is a lot of that aspect being a woman, but I think we also don't like being singled out. Like (laughs) what's it like being a female winemaker? Well, we don't know the alternative, but I feel like it's, it's more collaborative and maybe that's just the industry in general now versus top down. I'm the authority and you're going to do it my way because there's so much learning. There's so many new things coming out and things coming out of the university. And so the young people coming in are going to be the ones with the new ideas that are excited and interested and willing to put in all that hard work. So I just, it's just an evolution and it's good. I mean, and I remember when I was the only woman in the cellar, when I wasn't there, they would fight. <laughs> like I was the, I don't know what I did, but I was, I toned them down and made them focus on work instead of like whatever competition they had. So I always realized like I have to be here every day. You know, I, so I, I have a, I, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, no, just, Michael. I feel I feel sometimes this can get a little bit heavy. I know Andre's probably oh, got another heavy question. I do, but I'm going to ask a, a, a very lighthearted question, and then Andre can go on and 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 bring us down, you know, to the serious <laughs> mode again. But they say that women have uh, a better palate than men. Um, is is there uh, ever a time that either one of you, and this question is for for both of you, um, that you know you're tasting with your 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 fellow either winemakers or chefs or sous chefs and they say, Oh, I taste this. I taste that. And you go, what the hell are you talking about? Anyone? I think everybody has that. (laughs) Like, smell what? (laughs) And does that happen in the, in the, in the culinary world? Obviously, you know, what goes into a dish, but I mean, uh, where somebody will say to you, that tastes terrible. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's probably the most delicious thing I've ever had in my life. Um, that happens, but I don't think it's a man woman thing. And that's, we have a rule in our kitchen that when you make something, especially a big batch, you have at least two other people taste it. Um, because it's not like our palates change from day to day as well. And so it's, I mean, yeah, there are some days where I'll taste something and someone will be like, that's great. And, and I'm like, no, that needs salt <laughs> or whatever. Or someone, you know, it, it's, it's a, and it's an open communication, but, um, or dialogue about it, but it's never, I've never, ever noticed it being a, like, I have a better palate. <laughs> okay. Andre. My husband, my husband is a chef and I know he will think something tastes terrible. And I'm like, wow, I must be stupid because I really like it. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, in Susan's camp half the time. I'm like, this, this, this fried fish is delicious. <laughs> Tracy, I don't yeah, know but if Susan, this McDonald's yeah, just, hamburger is the best thing I've had. But since I mean, maybe Tracy, I don't, I don't know if you've had this experience. But like one of my favorite things is like when my wife Anya is doing recipe testing at home. Like she'll be putting a, a, a recipe together to put on a table at a restaurant and be like, oh my god, this is like the best like banana dessert that you've ever made in real life and she'll just sit at the table and look at me like are you serious are you serious right now like look at what's wrong with this plate and it's just like i don't care make it again (laughs) still eat it yeah i mean that happens but i think that's also when you're like self-criticizing especially in the circumstances you're talking about when you're creating a recipe or trying to perfect something i mean it's kind of you have to be looking at it and i think we're our biggest and hardest critics right like 
I, I, I probably criticize my food more than anybody else does. Um, so, and especially when I'm asking myself to do it, oh my God, I'm such a hard audience. Um, so I, that makes sense to me, I think. <laughs> well, it makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> but Susan, does that happen to you where you, where you taste one of your wines and everybody's saying it's, it's good and you go, I could have made this a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so it's I, you good. know, I'm always, I, I like everything to be acid driven and I know that's not where the palate is for most people. So I'm always like almost everything like, oh, I wish it just had a little bit more acid. And I have a friend I, I, who's also a winemaker and she like wants to, she wants to have these little kits that has a little bit of acid. <laughs> she wants to add it to wines when we're out. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, well, I, I have to I have to commend you that this um, the, the the nineteen has got some really nice acidity to it. It does, and I I, I I think the the part that I have been struggling with, uh, I like it. Um, the problem I'm struggling with is I'm like it's California. There's acid in here. That seems wrong, but um, you you've done a lovely job at at you know keeping that acidity. So it makes Tracy's job a lot easier. Uh, because oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, the acidity helps with food. So. Oh, oh, yes. And, that you know, like there's fatty palates for food, too. And I have a definite acidic palate. So a lot of times when I'm eating out, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the food needs more acid. Luckily, my husband and I have that same palate. So it works. <laughs> I don't know how it works if you don't have the same palate when everything, you know, too much cheese and too much richness. It just dampens everything for me. But. Andre, said. I know the I know the question you want to uh, ask, and I and I see that Tracy's muted her microphone again. I don't know if she's done that on purpose, or if it's just her computer. Like what to... question? No, I do I do it on purpose so you don't have to hear all the oh, okay, sounds it. I that just, are just. I just wanted to make sure that your computer's not doing things like mine does, which is suddenly it you know it'll start it'll restart for some reason because it thinks that's what I want. <laughs> what what question do I want to ask? You say you're reading my mind. Well, you said you had a follow-up for the, the last... Uh, oh, right, I do. Last... Um, you know, it, it sounds like uh, both of you have had positive experiences in coming up in your careers and navigated a, a minefield of what can be quite difficult. I think that the, the question I have is just about where, I guess, where the hospitality industry... I'm going to use just the umbrella term, since we're talking to a winemaker and a, a chef here right now. Are we at a at a place? Because I, I think it's a problem where even Michael and I have 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 talked about this coming up over the. Sorry, I ask long questions, guys. This is just he does just how well, the train works. will come back to the station. So the train does listen. come back to the station, but I mean, like Michael and I have been in situations where, like, we've been to to parties after hours. We've seen stuff going on. There've been one too many glasses of wine poured. Whatever. Do you think that the culture has evolved now in 2022, where the two of you have had great experiences for the women that have not had great experiences? We're able to help them better uh, make them feel more comfortable to speak out uh, cultivate that culture where we can call out the bad actors that are still a hindrance to having women get ahead in this industry either one I of you can so. take it I mean um, here we do annual training on sexual harassment and that's inclusive of a lot more than just um quid pro quo sex, you know, rewards for favors or moving up in the company. Um, 
And I think that helps. I mean, it just makes it more of an awareness and gives you ideas of how to handle it. But I don't think either one of us would stand by if we saw something happening that we didn't think was right. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I would say we work for a company that is um, very supportive of, you know, of, of really, they want to educate. They know that we're a, a well-known big company and they, um, you know, are maybe sometimes even held to a higher standard or under a bigger lens mm-hmm. and take that, take that really, um, they, they take that in a responsible way. And again, I don't feel like it's just checking a box. It's a, you know, we have a responsibility to be better, to we're leaders in other ways, right? We're leaders in, we still have the number one selling Chardonnay for over 25 years. You know, if we're a leader in, in one way, we're going to be a leader in every way. And that's, I think that's the feel that I get. Um, you know, is it, has it completely changed? No, but I, again, like, I think that there are just times when, you know, I, I could speak for myself. I'm, I am not a shy person. I, you know, have made a name for myself within the company I work in. I feel really comfortable. I understand that not everyone has those same circumstances. So I am certainly, a, if anything, I'm a woman of privilege by far. Um, so it's, you know, I, I have to often, not often, but I have to sometimes myself think about, okay, yeah, maybe I feel this way, but not everyone feels that way. And really remember that it's not all, you know, not everyone has a direct line to the executive team. Not everyone, you know, is okay with raising their hand. Um, and and how do you really, to me, those are the, those are the people you really want to make sure somehow know that, um, that it's okay to step forward and, and that there's a, that there's the support that our company gives if you do step forward. I, I think that's admirable because that is such a tough culture to cultivate in any company, whether it's big or small, to encourage people to feel that they're safe to speak up. Um, I mean, especially if you're a woman, but in any in any situation where, you know, you have to weigh the consequences, is this going to cost me my job? Is this going to be that? And to cultivate a culture where, you know, it's, it's consequence free when something bad is happening is a really hard thing to do. So it's really great to hear yeah. that you're that it sounds like uh, KJ and and Lacrima that the Jackson family are are at least trying to foster that culture. Yeah, more, and honestly, it they were doing that before this became you know before the Me Too. I mean, this was happening. This wasn't just a reaction to these were things that were happening. I've worked for the company for fourteen years, so these are things that were going on before that. You know, before before this kind of more recent drastic movement. So again, it doesn't feel like it's reactive. It just feels like, okay, we're already doing this. How do we push forward more? You know, in other areas, it can be ageism, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not. And I don't think we have that at Jackson family. (laughs) I think we are pretty respectful of our, the people that have been around for a long time and, you're also kind of worried, like, oh, my gosh, those are such big shoes to fill. How are we going to do that? Um, so I think, for, I mean, we're, it's a, it's a caring company to work for, which is, sounds kind of strange. Um, but I know when I came on, they wanted to make sure the winery that I worked at was closest to my house. I mean, how many places do that? I mean, 
I could have driven to Napa every day. Instead, I drive five miles down the road. So I thought that was awesome. So I, I think we're, I, I'm, I'm going to close with, with this question. And it's, it's probably, well, I'm just going to ask it. So it's, it's for both of you. And then just somebody raise their hand, which, whichever one wants to answer it first. And then obviously it goes back to the other one. So what advice would you give women who want to break into either the wine industry or the culinary world? So you want to think about that for a second while Andre and I talk about something else? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> talk about Chardonnay. Right? Yeah, we'll talk about Chardonnay quickly. Have a glass Andre, of Chardonnay. <laughs> uh, Andre, because we, I think we talked about, the, the, uh, we talk about the Cabernet. What do you think about the Chardonnay before before we go on to one of the one of the ladies? The Chardonnay's solid. I think it comes down to the adage that most people drink their Chardonnay too cold. I pulled this out of my cold room. It's uh, four degrees Celsius in the back room of my house because it's uninsulated, uh, which is about twenty degrees Celsius for the the two of you who don't maybe don't know Celsius as well as us. But I opened this up and drank it at fridge temperature. Um, now that it's warmed up, it feels it's about ten Celsius. Uh, oak notes are are more restrained. It's definitely more harmonious on the back palate. Um, I have a uh, seafood lasagna that I'm getting ready to throw in the Ooh, oven. Made with, uh, you fancy. Made with chanterelles, and I'm going to top it with a, a truffle cheddar. Sorry, I'm just throwing this up because i got the cheese expert there. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm think, just, I'm just going egg roll in a bowl. That's my uh, my thing tonight. Uh, I think this wine's going to go well together. with the seafood lasagna, that's for sure. So, ladies, which one of you wants to take the question first? Which advice would you give? You're making um, it sound like Jeopardy. I can take it. I can okay. take it. Um, Susan, over to the wine world. So if someone did some, and I, I don't want to say young, I don't want to person. say young, young ladies <laughs> or young people anymore, because I, I, I think especially in the wine world and in the culinary world, people get into it after they've had a career and they go, you know oh, what? Yeah. I really want to do something else with my life. And it's going to be, you know, blah in the wine world or in the culinary world. So it, don't just think of somebody who's young. Think of anybody who's like, I want to, I want to change in a career. And suddenly I want to be into wine. What what would you say to them? I would say it's, I totally followed a dream um, to do it. And I, there were people that said, even when I was in school said, oh, well, you'll never be a winemaker because there's only like five of them in the world. <laughs> like they just didn't think there were that many. And um, yeah, do it. Do what you need to do. I think it doesn't hurt. I was just talking to a, a woman whose son is at UC Davis. And I, I said, do as, get as much experience as you can from different size wineries, different regions, um, work in the tasting room, work in the cellar, just get as much background knowledge as you can. And if you really like all those different aspects, then you'll like winemaking as well. I mean, because I would say probably more than 50% of the people that go through UC Davis come out and don't want to work in a winery because it's not for everybody. It definitely so is. Right? <laughs> Andre Same with the like kitchen. It's not, it's, it's not easy. No, it's, but, uh, but, it, but it, it's, it's, I, like, I, I, I love the story that you're telling, but there's so many people, they fall in love with the romantic aspect of what is the finished product. And they don't recognize that half of their time from September until November is going to be hosing down concrete, hosing out tanks, <laughs> doing so much cleaning, um, lifting to- yeah. 20 kilogram totes, you know, 40 pound totes of grapes over your head. Like it's a lot of manual labor. It is not 
it is not romantic most of the t- most of the time. Well, one of the one of the most interesting things uh, I find, and I see, Andre I see, that, I see uh, Tracy, I see Tracy smiling because I know she's super, it's super romantic I, in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it. I can't wait to hear hear Tracy's take on. But, on I, but I, what I getting into what this. I find really interesting, Andre, is that um, the the winners. So Niagara, we have a barrel roll uh, where you oh, yeah. roll a barrel end to end, and the and last few years, if I'm not mistaken, it's been women. They it's do that women in January that. too. So in the cold, they have to roll an empty barrel from end to end down a track and then back. Yeah, Sue we and used staff, to Yvonne. do that, but it's not safe anymore. So we oh. can't do it. We used to do this. Oh, here in Canada, it's still safe. <laughs> <laughs> See my safety vests? See my pink for people who are listening to this and, and can't see it there is in fact a safety vest pinned on the wall there tra- tra- tracy, tracy same question for over you. to you i mean yeah i i agree so much with everything susan says and yeah i mean you know, romantic, this job is not. I mean, I was just washing dishes. <laughs> so, but um, I would say if you want to get involved in the culinary world that, you know, I think really be sure, like, I think the same thing, do as much as you can when you can for free externships and giving of your time to really be sure that it's something you want to do. Because if you get involved in this industry, it is a labor of love. You sacrifice a lot. It takes a long time to get to the plateau. Once you're there, it's awesome. It's still hard work, but it's different, right? Coming up, you really have to pay your dues. There are still dues in this industry you have to pay. If you think about it, people go out to restaurants 365 days of the year, Christmas, Mother's Day, all the things that you might want to celebrate on your own or with your family. People are at restaurants. So if you're the chef of a restaurant, you're the chef at a hotel, those those days don't go away. So you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of things and time um, to get there. But if it's what you really love, then it's definitely rewarding. But I think it's like any job, put the time in and work really hard at it. Um, the great thing about cooking is that it can also be a really great hobby. So, you know, and there are very few jobs, things that can foray like that, where you, you know, you can love to cook and don't have to do it as a career and a way to sustain your financial stability, <laughs> um, which is also awesome because, you know, not everyone is built for the restaurant or the chef world and lifestyle. And, and, you know, it's gotten better. I mean, being the chef at a winery is certainly easier hours than being the chef at a restaurant. Um, but you know, every day is also different, which can be really exciting, but also means that the rest of my life has to be completely flexible because of that. Um, so it's, there are challenges for sure, but the rewards are also really great. I mean, I get to eat amazing food. I drink, get to drink really delicious wine. So the perks are outstanding. <laughs> Being married to a yeah. chef, I definitely understand the, those perks. But I, I have a follow-up question for, for Susan because, uh, Tracy, like you talked about it being a hobby. And the thing is, like I'm friends with a lot of really great chefs who the moment they exit their restaurant, it's instant ramen, it's mac and cheese, <laughs> it's just eating complete trash. Um, but the thing is, I love I love cooking and also... My wife is a savage critic of my um, of my cooking, as are my chef friends, because I'm sick of watching them eat ramen at at home. Uh, Susan, in your house, who does the cooking? You said you're married to a chef as well. Oh, I am banned from the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> okay. I would just our keep... kitchen is our kitchen is pretty small, so my job. I mean, it's 
So this is where the sexism comes in or the role comes in where my job is to open the wine, like Got it. pick the wine and open. And it's like, you know, that's kind of easy, but then I also do, I, lot of, I do a lot of the cleanup. So it's all um, about, it's all about balance. Just like making a great wine. Yes. You know, and he's so much better in the kitchen <laughs> than I am. And I don't even, well, you know, uh, I did make a zucchini, like, because he would never make, like, this zucchini salad. <laughs> no, <laughs> no like I can't it. see that either. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> was like, you're going to hate this. And he's like, you know what? That was pretty good. So made one thing last year. Crazy, huh? It is crazy. <laughs> um, you know what? On, on that note, since we're on a high note and we have covered a lot of, like, heavy ground, I really do want to thank both of you for taking the time to sit down and, and talk with us. Um, like Tracy, I see you, you're in your, your chef, your chef's whites and it's not for show. You were just washing dishes before this. Um, she said she was cleaning a toilet too. So uh, no, I, I mean, I, I just more meant I, I that's what needs to oh, be okay, done. You, all right. Got it. Just checking. But I mean, that's it. Even, even far, even far in your career, when you got to pick up a, a job in the kitchen, it gets done. So uh, yes. Um, hopefully one day I'll get a chance to head down there and uh, enjoy a meal prepared by you. Please, yeah. Thank you so much. It's just fun. And uh, thank you, Tracy and Susan. And Susan thank you so thank much you for, very much great... for for sharing your uh, for your craft with us as well. The wine's delicious. You keep that. Uh, you keep flying the flag for acidity. That's great. I will. <laughs> so, Andre, that was a lot of fun. I can't believe you were uh, serious for that long. I mean, we we had some light-hearted questions in there, but we tackled, I think, a more serious topic that I mean, you and I know nothing about. We, we don't know anything about what it's like to be a woman in these industries. Not in any industry, actually. So there. Uh, that's a fair point. Very fair point. <laughs> uh, a, big, a big thank you to, to, uh, to both Tracy and to Susan uh, for being with us. Um, uh, we, we, I think we gave our, our reviews of the two wines. Uh, you liked the Chardonnay. I thought it was a little too oaky. Um, I think we both liked the Cabernet. Uh, I love that acidity. Uh, and this is the two, uh, the 2019, which is coming to the LCBO, I think next year. So we're ahead of the curve on this one, which is nice. I think both wines offered a uh, solid price to value. The La Crema Sonoma Coast is 29.95. It is one where if you serve it too cold, it will taste woody. You'll you'll get that strong wood tannin, but once it's warmed up, it has slid into balance. I don't know if you have you retasted it, Michael, since it's warmed up. Uh, I haven't, but I will a little bit later. Uh, I also want, we should give a shout out, and, uh, and I know that uh, Susan mentioned to us before we started uh, talking that the, uh, and I have tasted the KJ um, uh, current release of the Chardonnay that's now in the LCBO, and uh, I, th- I think, to my palate, it's, uh, it's a better value than the La Crema at $20. Uh, maybe the La Crema's got a little more uh, aging potential, but uh, I think the KJ's, you know, ready to go right now in a and you know, really tasty. Oh, you know what? I'll um, I haven't tried the KJ in a while. I'll um, I'll go pick one up tomorrow. It's been it's been one of those weeks where Captain Chardonnay needs his fix, so he will uh, do that tomorrow. He will fix it. I will fix it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on International Women's Day? Uh, just you know, thanks to all the women who are out there and plugging away, both in the wine and the culinary industry, and in any industry for that matter. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I want to hope that everything is, is changed. Uh, I know it's not true. 
but uh, one day uh, equality will will come. That's uh, the uh, the hope that, uh, that that we have, I guess. Okay. You, you know, it did give me a little bit of hope um, that we were talking to two women who are veterans of the industry that talked about their experiences being largely positive, and I think as a result, like um, you and I talked to Elizabeth Douglas Grant way back in like the first year we did this podcast who was also a woman winemaker at La Crema so it's clear that uh the Jackson family is working very hard to foster that positive culture for women yes I I, I think I think we learned that you know way back when we we spoke to her uh and it was it's nice to see that they've continued in in that way um and I guess just a, a final disclaimer before we wrap we were not paid by the Jackson family to do this. Um, both uh, principals were offered as guests, and Michael and I were happy to speak to them because we are a fan of these wines as critics, as journalists. Uh, we were thrilled to have a chance to taste vintages that are coming out before they hit the LCBO shelves. And uh, this was not a a paid podcast. This is just... Uh, we felt it was a good opportunity to tackle this topic um, I mean, we could have talked to some some local winemakers from Niagara. There's definitely opportunity for that coming up. Uh, and I think that covers that. Anything else to add to that, Michael? Th- that little disclaimer. No, he's, he's Andre Wine Review. Ca at Andre, Andre Wine, Wine Review. Review. On all kinds of social media. Where and... I am, Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com, the Grape Guy on a number of social media. Michael Pincus on others. Uh, Patreon. Please look into us, uh, Two Guys Talking Wine. We really appreciate any support you can give us. Um, and uh, I think I've covered everything, Andre. Did I? Is that what I sound like? I don't think I've ever heard you do the Patreon call to action. Is that what I sound like? Yeah. yeah. All right. This is what you sound like. Good night. No, I'm a little more enthusiastic. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.